All right, I am with Kevin Finn today from uh, Molehill Corporation. They're a uh, web development shop that has a few different uh, web-based software products that people use. So, Kevin, thanks a bunch for joining me today. Hey, thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Fan of your show. So, uh, well, I'm going to just kind of jump right into a few things about your product. So I am actually a uh, user and fan and advocate of one of Kevin's product, which is called Tick. You can find it at TickSpot.com. It's a time tracking software. Um, how old is Tick? Uh, let's see. We launched it in 2006, so we're coming up on eight years. Wow. Okay. So Tick is interesting. So I hate tracking my time. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> um, but it's something that we have to do, right? Um, and I. Yeah, no, but nobody really loves tracking time. <laughs> but I had an experience. So before I used like a proper time tracking tool, we would log our time, but it was a little less formal and we would have like a shared spreadsheet or something like that. And I actually had, I ran into one of those like horror stories you hear about with firms where sometimes uh, you have a hard time getting payment from somebody. And I basically had a client skip out on like $11,000 worth of payments. And one of the things that I realized was like, even though they were 100% in the wrong, and it's the only time that's ever happened to me in like seven years of being in business, um, that that was one of the things that was like a catalyst for me to get a proper time tracking tool. And ever since I started using you guys, that's like something I worry about a lot less because... It gives my clients like complete and total transparency into what we're working on, what we worked on, how long we worked on it. Um, so yeah, so I'm like a huge fan of, of 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 Tick, particularly because of the way that you guys organize the dashboard around like how much time you have on a project and the budget right. and all that kind of stuff. So, right. but that seems to me like a design that came out of a problem that the makers themselves had. So, Absolutely. So why don't we, uh, as we kick this off, can you tell me a little bit about just how Molehill was born and then how Tick was born, and we'll just kind of go from there. Yeah, happy to. So for years and years, we did um, client service work. This was before we were known as Molehill. We were known as a company called Capernaum, and we did client service work and build time, sold our hours, basically, as every one of the client service industry does. And so we had to track our time and we did everything, like you mentioned, all the way from post-it notes to Excel spreadsheets to um, we used QuickBooks has their own clunky internal time tracking. We used that. Um, and this was you know years ago. And so there weren't a lot of SaaS companies out there providing services like this. Now there are dozens of time trackers that you can find. Um, so anyway, none, none of those solutions were fitting our needs. We had similar instances like you mentioned about you know clients wanting to see you know why they were billed a certain amount four months ago and we couldn't find those post-it notes or we couldn't find those Excel spreadsheets. But the bigger problem for us was um, unless we got together and had a meeting and had a project manager gather up everyone's Excel spreadsheets and post-it notes or wherever else we were logging this time and run a report for us, we had no idea of how we were doing on this project. So right. let's, just, let's just keep the number simple. Let's say it's a 100-hour project and we're billing $100 an hour. So it's a $10,000 project. If we spend 200 hours on that same project, we only made $50 an hour. Well, at $50 an hour, we're not covering our costs. 
and we're going to have to let some employees go. We're going to, you know, lights are going to go out sooner or later. So we needed to figure out how to solve that problem. How, if we were going to bill somebody for a hundred hour project and we're going to bill a hundred dollars an hour, how we can make sure that we're really going to get paid a hundred dollars an hour. And so that's where the idea of tick started. We said, how do we get this information to the people who need it? Because the project manager is not running around every day finding out how much time everyone spent on each individual task every day. They've got other things to do. And the people who were doing the time or doing the work didn't know how much time they had left. They said, you know, so today I've got to come in and I've got to build this screen. Um, if, do I have all day to build it or do I have half a day to build it or do I have two days to build it? I know it needs to be done by Friday, but I've got a lot of other stuff I have to have yeah. done by Friday too. Yeah. And so what would happen is, you know, oftentimes you'd have people who would get hit their deadlines. It was done by Friday, but they would have stayed all night working on it. And so they would have, you know, doubled the budget of what we estimated. So either our estimate was wrong or we're going to burn out our employees because they're working all night just to hit a deadline. And so we wanted to build some sort of trauma tracking application that could help us solve these problems. We don't want to burn out employees. We wanted to get information in the hands of the people actually doing the work. We didn't want to burden our project managers who have to run reports and update them every day and send them out to the team. So that's where all this stuff started happening. Um, so we actually built the first version of Tick, which wasn't called Tick back then, but just as an in-house tool. Okay. And we went through a couple different variations of that. And this was probably back 2002, 2003. And um, we learned a ton of stuff about you know locking timesheets and then having to unlock them because someone forgot to put in time and all this other kind of stuff. But as we were getting better and better, um, the idea of selling these products online started becoming more popular. You know, Basecamp launched and started to gain some traction. And we said, you know, what would it look like for us to sell this? We actually had another product that we released before Tick that was starting to do pretty good, and we enjoyed doing work on that. It was called M-Site, so it was a content management tool. Okay. And so, yada, 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 on and on and on, we decided to launch Tick. And in 2006, we finally put it out there and began selling it. And um, the differentiator for us, again, a few other time trackers had launched by then, but still they didn't hit our need. Basecamp, the old version, they call it Basecamp Classic now, had launched time tracking. But again, it was nothing more than just tracking time, and yeah. that wasn't solving the problem for us. We wanted to be able to see how much time we had left, actually track it against the budget, and be able to hit that budget. And again, you know, this is kind of built around the, we, the way that we did work, and the way that we did work was more fixed price versus hourly billing. But what we're, we were seeing is that as we started to pick up customers is that regardless of whether you do flat price or you do hourly billing, it's all kind of fixed price at the end of the day. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's yeah, always these debates yeah, that rage yeah, on and on yeah. about how, how you should bill your time. But really, it's fixed price at the end of the day because you're going to communicate to your client some sort of estimate. And the second your, your invoice is a dollar over that estimate, they're going to have problems. They're going to have questions. They're going to say, why did it go over? Where was the you know, change of yeah. scope document or whatever? Did I approve that? So, I mean, it's all fixed price. Yeah. You know what I started doing to help with that is uh, we – we now will never just give people an estimate. We'll always give them a range. Um, right. This actually is something I stole from uh, another uh, founder of a dev shop that told me about how they do it. And, the, and uh, what works really well is to say, well, I don't think it will be less than this many hours and it probably won't be more than this many hours. <laughs> right? right. And it gives you a little bit more of a, of a cushion. Um, so I'm going to interrupt you real quick just because there I want for the people listening, I, most of the people that listen to the show, uh, 
maybe a time tracking software is actually not um, is is not going to bore them. So we're like you know <laughs> we got we're in the right the right the right zone here. Yeah. Um, but the thing about what I love about what you guys made is that there's there's a view that you have which is like your budget view for all of your projects and what i was finding finding with our business is that we so a lot of our projects will be um instead of maybe just a small 100 hour project we might have larger projects where the where our clients have given us like 75 hour a week budgets for 6 months or something like that right right yep and we were almost having like the reverse problem of we were not we would have a certain number amount of bandwidth but because we work on a number of projects we have our own products and that kind of thing we would we would have a client project where they said hey we are okay with you spending let's say 50, uh, 150 hours this month but we actually only put in like 128 because right. of you know whatever i didn't realize that we had fallen short and that kind of stuff so your guys uh your guys product in a way that none other that i've come across does gives you like a real quick insight into not only like are you at risk of going over budget but are you actually spending the amount of time you should be spending on the various client projects for the budgets that they've given you yeah right? Um, and we've had situations where like one client, we went over budget and one we went way under and I was like, oh man, well just by organizing things differently, everybody would have been happy. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And you can use, uh, I don't want to get into all the details of the product, but do you use the recurring project feature? You know, I don't, uh, except for like two projects that are more like maintenance kind of projects. Um, yeah. Well, that's a cool thing. Like if you have a situation, like you said, where they give you a certain amount of hours every month for you know, it's a it's almost like a retainer client, like a recurring project. Yep. You can flip on the recurring project feature, and every month that 150 hours will reset. And so, yeah. Got yeah, got yeah. So now, all right, let's kind of jump around a little bit. Um, you so Molehill also has a couple other products. One is a podcasting app, right? Right. It's called Buzzsprout. And um, and that is still going strong. Is that is that right? Yeah, that is a newer product. Well, not newer, newer than Tick. It's about four and a half years old or so. Okay. Uh, launched it the same way. We actually, the product that I mentioned earlier called M-Sites, this content management platform, it kind of grew out of that. So we had this content management platform that we were selling to uh, mostly nonprofits. Like think like, um, you know, small churches or something like that yeah, that don't have yeah. their own IT staff, right? Yep. And they wanted a way to be able to post their sermons online. And so we said, well, you know, that's really a podcast. They didn't know what it was called, but it was really a podcast. So we started building the tools to put this into the content management system. And then as ta- we were getting into podcasting and talking to other podcasters, and we realized this is a problem that not just, you know, s- small churches have. This is a problem that a lot of podcasters have, how difficult it is to, you know, what seems really simple, just posting an audio file on the Internet is actually ridiculously complicated. Yeah, yeah. And so, well, it's not, not so much complicated for technical people, but there's just more steps than there needs to be. And for a non-technical person, it is complicated. Yep. So we sp- spun that off. Instead of putting it into the product, we spun it off as a separate product. And um, it's done great. It's, it's awesome. one of our favorites. We love it. So um, you guys have not done anything to you, – you, you're not funded, right? You guys are, are uh, as the 37 Signals folks would say, bootstrap, <laughs> profitable, and proud, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, we are, we are self-funded by a lot of client work. 
Right, right, right. So now, yeah. do you ever... This is something that's been fascinating me as of late. Um, so are you ever tempted by the funding route? Is it, do you feel like you're, it's an industry, like your apps aren't right for it? Is it just, you have no interest in that arena at all? What I feel like sometimes, even though I don't want to get funding, I feel like sometimes I'm tempted by the shiny apple. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, you know, to tell you the truth, I don't know. I don't see how it would make my life better. And, you know, Molehill is not just me. We've got a couple of employees and I've got a business partner and we're on the same page with this. The, the idea that funding, you know, could our business grow? Absolutely. Could we hire a bunch more people and do a lot more things? Absolutely. Would it at the end of the day make our lives better? I, I don't see how that's going to happen. I mean, I've got three small kids. I work from home most of the time. I've got an office that I go into when I want to. Our employees do the same thing. Funding changes everything. I live in Jacksonville, Florida. There's not a lot of, you know, the idea of getting funding and continuing to be able to live right. here and have our life here. I don't yeah. know how all that stuff meshes up. Right. I mean, we're, right. we're able to pay the bills. We're able to work as much or as little as we want. We get to interact with our customers as much as little as we want. We have complete control over our products. And, and it's good. So why, you know, the idea that we would have millions and millions of dollars doesn't, it's not free. It comes with a lot of pressure and a lot of expectation and a lot of um, just stuff that I'm not sure how life-giving it is at the end of the day. Right, right, right. So, um, so yeah. Now, Tick has some pretty serious uh, competition in the, the marketplace, right? Like, as you were, as you were mentioning, there's, there's, there's obviously a slew of different time trackers. Some of them spend tons of money on advertising and, and you know, you see, you'll see harvest on daring fireball or you'll see you know whatever you so how do, how do you guys how do you compete with that how does a small company in jacksonville florida that makes a time tracking tool compete with some massive company like what's your what's your right. strategy for that um so we are absolutely small and under the radar compared to somebody like harvest i mean maybe they know about us but not a typical user doesn't know us on the scale they know Harvest. So if you went to any web conference and you asked them to name three time trackers, we might not be on that list. We might be, but we might not be. Okay. Um, we've taken a slow growth, kind of under the radar approach to growing our apps. And for the first six years or so that we were in business, it was just my business partner and I, just the two of us. We worked out of home offices. We kept our, our expenses extremely low. So our strategy has been um, just slow growth. And we are, we're eight years into it, so it's been this long road, but we have never really hit a, you know, like a hockey stick moment with yeah. any of our products. This okay. has been, I mean, like to use a skiing analogy, if, if the hockey stick is the black diamond, we are, you know, we're the green circle. We are, <laughs> we are just nice and slow and steady. And for years and years and years, the first six years since we launched Tick and we even launched Buzzsprout and it was just my business partner and I, we didn't take on any employees. We kept our expenses as low as possible. We worked out of home offices. And so we've been able to grow the revenue without, you know, we don't really need a lot of money to run the business. Um, And that's been, that's worked well for us. And so we haven't spent money on advertising. We haven't spent money on, on marketing. We've done some marketing. We've done some, uh, you know, we Whenever we have the opportunity, we'll write a guest blog post or we'll write our own blog post here or there. Yep. We'll 
get on Twitter a little bit, but we don't do we don't spend a ton of time on marketing. We spend a, what we enjoy doing um, is is writing software, and so we spend a lot of time trying to make the software as good as possible. And then we like interacting with our customers, so we try to support our customers as best we can, and that's worked well in terms of just growing slow and steady. Hmm. And so it's taken a long time to grow a revenue to the point where we could, you know, now we have an office, but we don't use it all the time and we don't make anybody go into it. And now we have a few employees, but we don't demand that they go in the office or we don't have a huge team either. We only have three full-time employees. Right. So you and, spend no, so you spend no money on advertising at all. Uh, we spend some money now on Buzzsprout advertising on Google, um, pay-per-click AdWords. Okay. Um, but we've tried it with tick and you have to throw a ton of money at it. In order to make it work, in order to compete with, you know, because it's a more crowded space. Okay. okay. And so, and as, you know, Tick continues to grow, like I said, kind of on that slow, yeah. slow, steady clip. And so, as long as it's doing that, we're fine and we're happy. Um, and so, we don't want to throw a ton of money to compete with, you know, yeah. the heart of the world and these other huge time tracking companies. Yeah. I heard about you guys first, actually, because you, so when, when Basecamp Next came out, you guys were the first people that had any integration done with them. Right. And for a while, like you would go to the extras page and there was just tick <laughs> so yeah. all alone. That and, was a good time for us. Right. And I felt like I made like a mental note of that, that that was a really, um, it was just like you guys clearly did that intentionally, right? Like you saw that Basecamp Next was coming out and they weren't, they didn't have time tracking and they wrote a post about how that was like a pain point that they had missed. And then like two weeks later, boom, Tick has a, like a, this crazy Basecamp integration where it even shows up inside messages and all that kind of stuff. So right. I would imagine that was like, Super, super good for you guys. Is that true? Yeah, it was. Absolutely. So Basecamp's been good to us since the beginning. So we went years ago when we decided we wanted to take Tick and start selling it to other people so that they could use it. Um, we went to one of the – remember they used to do these building of Basecamp workshops? Okay. I don't think they do them anymore, but they did them years ago. Yep. So we, we came up to Chicago and did that one-day workshop and got to know the team and listened to their ideas and methodologies and all that kind of stuff, applied it towards Tick. So we've been big fans of 37 Signals and Basecamp for a long time. And the integration with Basecamp Classic was a feature that a lot of our customers use. So when we heard that the new Basecamp was coming out, we jumped in you know, to their er- whatever early access they right. allowed us to have. And- yeah. We're in their developer channels and all that kind of stuff and knew that time tracking wasn't going to be a part of it, didn't know how that was going to affect our business. And then one day had this crazy idea of what if we can put time tracking inside the base camp, the new base camp. We don't know if they're ever going to add it. We don't know what it's going to look like, but let's give it a go. And so we actually coded up that first integration in, I mean, probably a week. Wow. We just went nuts and cranked it out and then... uh yeah, shot them an email, asked them what they thought about it. They thought it was super cool. And they were like, let's get our extras page up. And we were the only ones on it for a couple of weeks. That's awesome. So can we like geek out just a little bit here? So how how does that Basecamp <laughs> integration work? What's going on there? Like how uh-huh. how is the how is the time tracking showing up inside the, a message? Like well, I don't I mean, I use it, but I don't really know how it works. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, like like most things, once you peek behind the curtain, it's not nearly as impressive as you might think it is. Oh, God. You're, <laughs> you're about to ruin the magic, aren't you? I know. It is It is based all off of the 19, what is it? Maybe maybe it was 2000. It's based off an I, it's an iframe. It uses an iframe. That's all it does. 
Oh, it is? How do yeah. you get, but how do you insert the iframe? How does it get Well, it? we found a little loophole in the Basecamp code. When you go and you type a message into Basecamp in their editor, you cannot put in an iframe. They would strip it out. Yep. But if you push an iframe in through their API, <laughs> it stays there. And so we asked them if that was cool, and they said, yeah, no problems on our side. So we did it. That's awesome. Man, I, like, I love iframes. I feel like everybody be, everybody's hating on iframes. I still love I, – we, we use them in our app. I love them. Yeah. Well, they've served us well. Cool. Um, so what uh, – is there any, anything you guys are working on that is, like, experimental that you are – free to talk about or are you pretty much focused on, uh, on, on taking Buzzsprout at this point? Yeah, taking Buzzsprout are our big things. We've got um, a couple other little things that we work on on the side, but taking Buzzsprout are like our big products that we sell publicly. Um, so, you know, staying on, on Tick, you've seen, have you seen the new timer that we rolled out in the last yep. couple of weeks? Yep, yep. So that was a big push for us. For years and years and years, we avoided the timer. I mean, I was, I'm a strong believer that timers – in a web app are like clunky. I've never seen them done well. I don't like the idea of starting a timer and then forgetting it. And yeah. you know, I come back the next day and now I've logged 26 hours to some task. And so we fought that for a long time. We had the desktop application. We had the iPhone application because I've always felt like those were better places for timers to exist. Yep. Um, but you know, but finally at the end of the day, we said, listen, a lot of people want timers. If we're going to do them, let's do them the way that we would like them. And so we just rolled out timers. We're pretty happy with it we're spending a lot of time kind of tweaking that making sure it's exactly you know the way that we want them to be um, um, but that's real new for us okay. so that's consuming a lot of our time right now we've also made other little updates like we're just kind of refining i'm not sure if you've, you've noticed over the past yeah few oh, yeah, really yeah, yeah no you guys have been doing have been do, doing a lot of stuff um yeah so is it a is tick a rails app what is it built on it is okay yeah ruby on rails I'll okay okay cool um, yeah, all our apps were for years when we did when we did client work, we were a Microsoft shop. Ah, uh, okay. And okay. I you know, I'm not a programmer, I'm a more of a designer, UI guy. And so my business partner does all our coding. And so years ago we were getting ready to to launch um, or to build tick to be able to launch. And I just threw a challenge at him of, you know, just take a look at Ruby on Rails. It's exciting. You know, we were fans of thirty seven signals, they're using it. Yep. And um, so what he did is he set up this little experiment for himself. He said, okay, I'm going to take this set of requirements and I'm going to try to build it in .NET and then I'm going to set up this set of requirements, same set of requirements and build it in Ruby on Rails and see how far I can get on both okay. in eight hours. And he, and he had never, you know, he had no idea what Rails was. And so it took him like the first four hours of his day just to kind of get Rails running on his Windows PC. And so he only had about four hours left to write code. And he was able to get through more of the requirements on his Ruby project than he was in his .NET project, which he coded in for years. Wow. And so at the end of that day, he came back and he's like, absolutely, this is the direction we're going. Awesome. That's cool. That's cool. So one, one question I like to ask people is, so knowing you guys have been around almost a decade now, right? Or is it longer even? Yeah, as the molehill, as a you know, product company, yeah. almost a decade. So yeah. if you, this is, this is just like one of, my, one of my favorite questions to ask people. So knowing everything that you know now, right? Um, if you could, you know, send a message or two back to yourself 10 years ago, right? what would you say? Cause I think it's helpful advice for people who are 
you know, maybe thinking of starting a consultancy or starting a shop or going out on their own to do whatever, you know, whatever the thing is for them. Um, right. You know, what do you, what do you know now that you wish that you knew before? Um, you know, specifically the message I would send to myself would be marketing. Marketing is a lot more important than I ever thought it was. So we love, like I mentioned earlier, that we love writing code and we like making software and we like making it better and interacting with customers. But the, um, if I wanted to grow, if, I shouldn't say if I wanted to. I should say I think the business would have grown a lot faster had I paid more attention to marketing early on. Okay. So we, like I said, we've been really under the radar and we're trying to come above the radar a little bit or get on the screens of more people. Yep. And we're trying to figure out ways to do that without spending a lot of money. Um, and I'm finding that there are ways to do that. Um, but we just haven't paid it a lot of attention for, you know, years and years and years. And because of that, I think, um, we've left a lot of opportunity, you know, on the table. Right. So, you know, and that's been okay. It, it hasn't, hasn't killed us and we're, we're, we're still healthy and growing and everything's great. But, um, where we are today, I feel like we could have probably been there three or four years ago. Had I paid a little bit more attention to the marketing side. So what are, if you don't mind, what are some of the specific things that you're finding that are working for you guys that you're doing now, um, you know, that are, that are effective? Sure. Um, so for, for Buzzsprout, I mentioned that we're running some uh, Google pay-per-click advertising and that has been, I mean, it's, it's been amazing. We went to uh, a workshop a couple years ago and, um, Rob Walling gave a talk about, um, just some SAS metrics that he was tracking. Okay. And I mean, again, we were, you know, we're just kind of making the stuff up as we go along. And sat when we started, there weren't a lot of SaaS businesses. So now you can do a search for SaaS metrics and there's a million articles on them. Yep. But yep. when we started, there, there weren't. And so the idea of customer lifetime value and, and right. monthly run rate and all this kind of stuff, it wasn't around. Yeah, yeah. You know, even the concept of churn, right. up until like three years ago, we weren't tracking churn at yep. all. We hadn't, yep. you know, we, yep. didn't, we didn't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all we would do is check the bank account every month and can we pay our bills? Yeah, okay, well then we're just keep doing what we're doing. <laughs> <Right. laughs> and so as we're starting now to get a little bit more sophisticated and starting to track some of these statistics, we're seeing some of this opportunity that we just missed before. Right. Right. Um, yeah. So I'm not sure I, I went off on a bit of a tangent. No, that's sure. cool. So you're finding, so you're finding that at least for the podcasting product, um, Buzzsprout, that AdWords is doing something for you guys. And it seems like a, Absolutely. a good thing to do. Um, right. And we're, we're starting to get into, we're trying to optimize our sites better to get better Google search results. Okay. Um, seems obvious, but again, we just, we don't rank well. And that, like I said, it's been okay, but, there's a lot of opportunity there. Yeah. Um, email marketing. You've been a tip customer, so you know. You don't hardly ever get emails from us. We send like one a year. Yeah. But we see yeah. every time we do that, it helps engage our users more, and we get to communicate with them more, and then they tell more people about it. So we're trying to send more emails more regularly. We're trying to post more blog posts whenever we do an update. Yeah. Again, stuff that we you know doesn't come natural to us because we're kind of geeks, right? We like to code and make websites and stuff. I don't necessarily like to sit down and write a blog post, but... At the end of the day, it helps me do more of the stuff I like to do. When I write a blog post, we get comments. We get people who write emails, and I like interacting with customers. We get new ideas. We get to hear how this is helping or not helping or how they like or don't like a feature. So it helps us do the stuff we like to do, but it, that's more of a discipline for us. That right, we have to discipline right, ourselves right, into doing right. that. 
You know, one thing that I feel like helps me a little bit with it is that uh, I feel like if I approach it a little bit more as an engineering problem, um, yeah. Even though I'm, I'm not, I'm not an an, uh, an engineer, but I much prefer like solving a design or you know engineering type problem or trying to figure out like how is a feature going to work or whatever than like marketing in general. That's yeah. kind of my predisposition. But there's something yeah. about approaching it like more of like in a design problem or engineering problem that helps me. I don't know. Mentally, I can get more engaged in it for some reason. No, I 100% agree. As we're starting, we just, at the end of the year, we did our uh, state of the molehill address. We had a little company meeting, just the five of us got together and discussed what we're going to do for 2014. And one of the things we want to do a better job of is marketing, as I said. And so our approach to that has been, you know, how can we do it in a way that we will enjoy it? And it's exactly what you said, like looking at it as an engineering problem. So we want to, we want to be, you know, data driven. And the idea of capturing data and looking at data excites us because yeah. it's more engineering than it is more, you know, marketing or, you know, communications type stuff. Yep. Yep. Uh, so great. So A-B I, testing and all that kind right, of stuff is, right, right. is a lot more fun to think about solving those problems than it is. Let's just create another blog post. Yeah, man. I, I started up, I, I, for the first time, like a couple weeks ago, I started using Optimizely to do mm-hmm. a little bit of A-B testing. And the first reaction I had was, so why didn't I do this like two years ago? (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. Um, So I think we all kind of deal with that. Um, My my buddy and I talk about how uh, like marketing is just, it's like, for some reason, we just, you know, it's like we we feel that we should just be able to build something and then, you know, people will come (laughs) and check it out. Right. You know. Yeah. So for yeah, right, and it for, doesn't, doesn't oh I'm sorry like that. I think I didn't mean to interrupt you there sorry about that no I was just saying we I agree with you and I hear that a lot and I think that's one of the the problems that a lot of people struggle with in this industry is that you know for whatever reason we we got a little bit lucky in the way that we did some things and it wasn't because we were smarter than anybody or it wasn't because we had a better idea it's just there was a lot of things that we happened to do right accidentally but. I think we hear a lot in the web development world, people who are doing client services and want to get into product development. They just hear this mantra, just go do it, just go build it, just go push it out there. And then a lot of the times it doesn't work. And I think that's unfortunate that um, a lot of people have had those experiences. Some of my close friends have built products and launched them and they're struggling for months and months and months. I can't sign people up. And so I think there are a lot of, you know, there's a lot of value in going back and looking at products that are successful and figuring out why they're successful Yep. Even if the people, you know, like us per se, it's not because we're smarter. It's just be- we probably happen to get a little bit more lucky or we happen to make some decisions that, you know, we didn't know which way it was going to go. It happened to work out. There's lessons to be learned there. But I don't think it's always as simple as just, you know, execute well on a decent idea and you're going to be successful. It's, right. I don't think it's that simple. Right, right. So uh, to kind of just zoom out a little bit from – um, just molehill are there what just what are some of the things happening in the industry right now that are you know just kind of inspiring you guys or that you're just paying close attention to to you know either because maybe you'll make a product for it in the future or it will 
be something that you never actually do anything with, but you're just, you know, in awe of, uh, in general, what's, you know, what, what are, what are the things that you guys are like, kind of get pumped up about over there? Man, that is an awesome question, but I'm unfortunately the wrong guy to ask. It to. <laughs> All right. No one is inspiring yeah. you right now, Kevin. Is that what you're telling me? Say that again. No, no one is inspiring you right now. Is this what you're telling me? No, I'm inspired by a lot of stuff, and I. But unfortunately, where I am right now is I got three small kids, and um, yeah, <laughs> I, I am not as connected with the industry as I have been in the past. That's <laughs> I've funny. got a I've got a three year old, a six year old, and an eight year old, and they are consuming so much of my time. Yeah, man. Yeah, I have an eight year old uh, and a six year old. I don't know about. I, I think I would be. I, I don't know about throwing a three year old into the mix of that. Yeah. Yeah, but the idea of like, you know, spending a lot of time scouring blogs and staying up on, you know, the latest Reddit trends and yeah, yeah. attending conferences and stuff, that just hasn't been my life for the past couple of years. Right. Um, right. That's why we've had to bring on some guys who are a little bit younger and have a little <laughs> bit more energy who are doing that stuff for us. <laughs> oh, man, that's funny. Um, all right. Well, hey, man, I, uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me and kind of share the story of how you guys built, um, you know, Tick and Buzzsprout and everything. I, I love just hearing from people who built a product and grew it slowly and uh, weren't really looking for the hockey stick. You know, I think that's like, I, I'm, I almost wonder if it's just like the myth, the hockey stick is like a myth and, and the, the, there's just, you know, a, such a tiny percentage of people actually ever yeah. see the hockey stick. But we're all led to believe we think it should exist. But it, it, it's kind of like an unnatural phenomenon, I feel like. Right. Yeah. Well, I think I think the myth or the, the delusion is that you have to have a hockey stick to succeed. Right. And I think what we've seen is that we don't, you know, and, and the fact that Maybe even if we had that hockey stick moment, maybe we wouldn't be as fulfilled in, you know, how I would define successful as we are now. Yep. You know, if we had hockey sticked and I'd had 30 employees and, you know, had to report in every day and make sure everyone's doing what they're supposed to be doing and the pressure of maintaining that customer base and everything else, man. So let I don't me, know. Let me ask you one question about this. So I feel yeah. – uh, I know I said we were going to wrap up, but I'm going to ask you one more thing. So one of the things that drives me crazy is I is the the term lifestyle business is sort of batted around like uh, like a bad word in our industry. Right. Um, so just hearing you talk, I I like you know I I personally am in very much like the same mindset of the universe as you are, but I I have literally had people say to me something like. Yeah, but I don't want to just build a lifestyle business, right? And <laughs> and and there's two things that drive me nuts about it. One is the implication is that it's like super easy and anybody can just like build a business that will support the life that they want to live and like, you know, whatever, right? So that's right. one thing that bothers me about it. But the other thing is um like it implies that it is inferior to you know, I don't know, like a, you know, a, a going boom business. Right. And so I'm just yeah. curious, is, is that something that you've heard or been asked or gotten about? And does it have any, like, I don't know, I just kind of want to get your thoughts on it. And if it's something that you've run into and what you say to people when it comes up and that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, I think that everybody starts off thinking that I want to come up with some idea that's going to go boom. Um, 
But at the end of the day, after you sit down and have a real conversation with them one-on-one and you talk about what are their goals really and what do they really want their workday to look like and how much time do they want to be tied to their computer versus spending with their family. And, well, why do you want all that money? What do you want to do with it once you have it? Um, you know, I think <laughs> once you have those conversations, everybody comes back to the same place of, yeah, I think a lifestyle business is kind of what I want. Right. Right. Um, you know, when we talk about it personally and, and you know, have personal conversations with people, um, I don't think it doesn't get bashed around. But the idea or what, what you said about when you read about it online, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. The idea um, people say, I don't just want to build that or um, my idea is bigger than that or I want to be more than that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't really buy it. I mean, for me, it's not about, um, it's not, a, I mean, I said it right in the beginning of our conversation today, you know, the idea of being funded or, yeah. you know, chasing that golden egg or that shiny apple or whatever you want to call it. At the end of the day, is my life going to be any better? Am I going to be any happier? Right, right, right. And I haven't, I haven't been convinced that I am yet. And so... Until that happens, until yeah. somebody says, yeah, you really would be a lot happier and, and I believe it, then I'm not willing to change the way that we're doing things. Cool, man. Well, I, uh, I'm a big fan of Tick, at least. Um, I'm sure the other products are great as well. Um, and Dude, you're a podcaster. How are you not checking out Buzzsprout? <laughs> well, I, I don't know if we should talk about this. I, I, I think I actually use one of your competitors that I just happened to cross. <laughs> Uh, yeah. a few, I don't know, like a month or two ago for a long time. But I know the pain that you're talking about. Uh, for a long time, I had like a blogger blog hooked up that would pull an audio file that I had on like an Amazon server and I would have yeah. to remember to put the link and then I would use some other like widget player. So I had kind of like, I had like a messed up, uh, setup for a while, um, yeah, I don't know why it didn't happen across you guys. Maybe you weren't running your yeah. ad your ads campaign yet. Yeah, that's very. <laughs> or likely. you weren't, or maybe you weren't <laughs> sending me a tick user emails about your other product. Like no, we're not we're not cross selling effectively. Again, that's marketing. <laughs> oh man! Well, right, hey, Andrew. thank thanks a bunch, uh, Kevin. I really really appreciate your time and uh, good luck to you and all of the the folks over at Molehill. Thank you so much. Great talking to you, Andrew. All right. I'll see you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye.